I got sick pretty much every single month. Like every month I had something going wrong. And I remember the doctor that I was seeing at the time, he and I actually ended up becoming friends and he ended up studying functional medicine too. But he was the only person who kind of looked at me and he said, you know, there's something wrong with your immune system, right? And you need to do something about this. But in the 10 minutes that you get with him once a month, you know, all he could say is like, maybe you should look into probiotics. Right, right. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the functional diagnostic nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. What is going on, my friends? And welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. And we are actually privileged to be able to talk to Reed Davis's partner in crime today, Raywin Guerrero. And Raywin has been in the functional medicine space for uh, almost like eight, nine years at this point, and then recently graduated FDN. So I wanted to bring her back on the podcast. Now, when I say back on, even if you've been listening for a while, you might be like, when, when was she on before? I don't remember that name. I think she was in like, man, she had to be within the first few months of us starting. So maybe like episode 20, episode 40 at the latest. And uh, yeah, it's two years later and we're just ever so slightly bigger than we were back in those humble beginnings. <laughs> so we thought we'd have her back on to talk about something a little different this time. In that first episode, she shared her story. And I'm going to guess, since she was kind of new to podcasting and I wasn't as experienced, it's probably not our, our best episode ever. But I'll put it in the show notes for you guys nonetheless. And that's, again, her story. But today we're supposed to be talking about hormone health for women and how it relates to gut health and mold toxicity. I say supposed to talk about that because that is not necessarily where the conversation ended up. We did have bits and pieces of that. It's in there somewhere, but you know, we're just kind of weaving around it overall. And there's some great little side tangents that I, I think you guys will really love. It's not that you won't like the podcast. It's just, if you clicked on this randomly, you've never listened to our show before, and you were hoping for those topics specifically, you might just want to click on one of our other episodes. I- I'm kidding. Stick with us. I think you guys will enjoy this just for the high energy. It's kind of the the bittersweet part of talking to someone that you already have rapport with because you you know the answers to certain questions and you also are comfortable with each other so you're willing to just kind of bounce back and forth the entire time. You'll see what I mean, trust me. With all that said, we will get the episode going in just a second here, but if you're listening to this at the time of it coming out or maybe the day after, you still do have a day or two then to get registered for our May Health Space Unmasked event, and that is with none other than Dr. Terry Walls. If you somehow do not know who she is, I would recommend that you open up your preferred search engine. 
and just search for Dr. Terry Walls and then realize we have the privilege of getting her on with us for free, at least for you guys it's free, for a couple of hours with a live Q&A. She is going to be talking about so much cool stuff. I know autoimmunity is going to be in there because that's pretty much par for the course anytime you get to talk to Dr. Terry Walls. Maybe, if I'm lucky, I can even steal her for the podcast, but we'll see uh, if she goes for that. I, I will try. I will try. I will try. I'm hoping it goes well. With that said, if you want to get involved with that, go to our show notes or just type in the URL fdntraining.com slash unmasked. That's fdntraining.com slash unmasked. Without further ado, let's get to today's episode. All right. Hello there, Raywin, and welcome back technically to the Health Detective Podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. It's Friday and I'm just so excited about being back on this. It's been two years since I've been here. Yeah. Well, and I was said back almost hesitantly because technically before it was the FDN Thrive podcast and we've since obviously moved to this and it's cool because I appreciate all the people that came on back then and it's like now we have some some legitimate listenership and you actually saw results uh, in your own business back then. Like you actually had someone that resonated and there was some clients from that, but it's fun now getting to talk to a larger audience and just impacting people in a different way. So uh, we'll have some fun today with this. One thing I didn't tell you before recording is if you see that little blur in the video, don't worry. Um, okay. So it's all good. It'll come out fine. But right. Raywin, for those that maybe have not listened to all 230 episodes, now I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that, but just in case you had something better to do with your life, um, can we go just briefly into your background of how you got into this space? Because it wasn't by accident. You're just like everyone else where, hey, you stug- struggled with some stuff yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I... Evan, this is such a long-winded story, so I'm going to do my best to condense it because there's never one thing, but there is one thing that tips the scale, right? So there are several things that led to this moment, but the big thing for me was anxiety and IBS back in 2011 and being dismissed by my gastroenterologist with, oh, this must all be in your head. Go see a psychiatrist. And that's what literally put me on the path to trying to figure out what was going on. Why would I be imagining all this stuff going on with my stomach? Like that's, you know, that's, it's just not true. So I, I was so fixated at that time on the, the mind body connection. I didn't really understand this relationship between the body and the mind that they communicated with each other. And that what's going on when your gastrointestinal tract can actually have a very direct impact on your hormones on your energy levels, on your immunity, on your metabolism, on pretty much everything, your skin. So I was dealing with all those things. I had like chronic migraines, um, awful, awful periods. Like literally you couldn't touch me 10 days before my period because I'd be so swollen and inflamed and just in pain. Um, and then of course, com- you know, compounding all of that with IBS was just not a lot of fun. But I kind of, you know, up until that point, the IBS was really the tipping point. I didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to be living every month in pain like that. I did not know that. I was actually just told by my family, like my mother and my aunts, like, it's just part of being a woman, suck it up. And not realizing like living on 1600 milligrams of Motrin for like five days of the month is not actually good for you. So you wonder why I had gut issues, right? (laughs) So... Um, So that was my, you know, the IBS diagnosis was my wake up call. That was the thing that actually set me on the path to trying to figure out what was going wrong in my life. Mm -hmm. And it all happened around the same time of me getting divorced. I had been on multiple antibiotics. I was sick all the time because there was a lot of stress going on in my life. And, you know, everything that I know now about cortisol and um, what that does also to your immune system. Um, 
the thing is I couldn't take time off work because I was now the sole and only breadwinner. So I couldn't be like, I can't afford downtime. I can't afford to go off on a retreat for th- six months and figure out because I needed to get my own apartment, sort things out. So I just powered through it, saw my doctor like every month and got a course of antibiotics to okay. deal with whatever tonsil infection, air infection, bronchitis. What I had like a ton of like upper respiratory tract things that were going on that entire year. And so it was 2010 is when I, I split up with my ex-husband and um, I got sick pretty much every single month. Like every month I had something going wrong. And I remember the doctor that I was seeing at the time, he and I actually ended up becoming friends and he ended up studying functional medicine too. But he was the only person who kind of looked at me and he said, you know, there's something wrong with your immune system, right? And you need to do something about this. But in the 10 minutes that you get with him once a month, you know, all he could say is like, maybe you should look into probiotics. Right. right. <laughs> so I was, I thought that set me off on looking into probiotics and all those kinds of things. And then by the time the IBS showed up, I was like, all right, I really have to take some action on this and started looking into, you know, changing up the way that I was eating and how I was living because I was in a high pressured, stressful corporate environment. It did not allow for weakness or perceived weakness. So, yeah. um, yeah, that, that's the beginning, that's the origin story. And it just, it's just evolved so beautifully from there. Like, you know, now that I look back, I just see, I just see the hand of God, like guiding me and pushing me all the way to where I am right now and mm-hmm. being able to help people in a way that actually moves the needle on health overall. I've helped over 350 women so far. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And then they a make one-on-one in a one-on-one capacity, life. you know? So like that's been, that feels good. Yeah. Well, and think about the ripple effect that that has, right? Because when someone works with us, like I know the people that I've impacted directly and indirectly from someone working with me. And it's just, it's kind of beautiful. It's like, if it's 350 people, the only thing we know about that is that it's definitely more than 350 people because totally, they've done something to it. Totally. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the beauty of it. Like when I work with women, and I think that's why I love working with women because they share everything with their girlfriends, <laughs> with their daughters, with their sisters, with their mothers, with their husbands. They're like, you should do this too. And they get everybody on the same, you know, bandwagon. And it, yeah. feel, it feels really good. So you're right. That halo effect is just so powerful and so inspiring. And I'm always humbled by it. I know our main topic today is going to be about the hormone stuff. One thing that I have to go back to really quick is just because this was something that was a recent experience for me is the ibuprofen thing. Because so many people act like ibuprofen is not a big deal because I can go to the store and buy this for a few dollars and get like 20 tablets. Well, I got, as you know, I got um, three wisdom teeth removed recently and it, it was a crazy amount of pain. It was a crazy amount of swelling. And one of the reasons I, I do take my health seriously is so that when I need to use certain things like that, yeah, I mean, I was taking ibuprofen. I'd rather that than Percocet personally, right? So I'm taking ibuprofen at a, a decent dose every day, probably 400 milligrams in the morning, 400 milligrams mid-afternoon or early evening. And that was keeping things at bay. Now, I was doing this for two weeks. Wow. And what was so nuts about this, Ray, when wow. is, you know, thankfully, even though my skin's been super bad in the past, it's gotten to a great place. And it's nothing major, nothing to complain about. But I thought it was nuts how I was doing everything else pretty much the same that I normally do. But the only thing that changed is the anesthesia, which you were telling me about at the conference, like I I figured it's not great, but I didn't realize how bad it could be Mm -hmm. was the anesthesia and the ibuprofen specifically. 
And that already had led to like a couple of skin breakouts that I noticed. And people don't connect that this is something that is actually damaging the gut and hurting mm -hmm. it. And then it can manifest as skin issues. Like how many people do you think are out there, especially um, young adults that are maybe 18, 19 years old with acne connecting that? Oh, yes, maybe it's the ibuprofen I'm taking every day and I'm only needing that because... I'm eating inflammatory foods that are causing pain, migraines. It's just, it's so disconnected for so many people. And I think it's amazing for them when they finally come into this space and realize what you and I did. You're looking at all these things separately at one point, and then you realize, no, it's it's all combined. The the period stuff, the mental health stuff, the IBS, this isn't separate. It's no. truly all connected. It totally is. And, you know, I keep talking about this bi-directional relationship between the body, the gut and the brain. That's mm -hmm. like been the entire basis of my whole practice since I've, since I started this in 2016. But um, the gut, you know, when we think about the fact that it's where everything gets digested, assimilated, and we've got this one inch layer of the epithelial lining, like that's all it is. And you start taking something powerful, like a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug or something even more powerful like anesthesia. What do you think that's going to do to that epithelial lining? What is it going to do yeah. to it? Right? So and I want to give you a quick story about a client sure. of mine who she had a brain tumor. Now it was a benign brain tumor and she came to see me for anxiety. And this is when I was practicing as a hypnotherapist. So I actually trained in hypnotherapy before functional medicine. And that's why I was, like I said, I was very obsessed with this mind body connection, right? Not so much the body mind. And she said, I don't know where this anxiety came from. I've never been an anxious person. I'm a happy person. She was an Iranian woman. She was a praying person. She was Persian Christian. And she said, I've never been anxious. I don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So I started doing, you know, I didn't do detailed intakes the way that I do now. So as a, you know, my intake was like in person. So I'm sitting down and I'm talking to her and, you know, it's over like two or three sessions. I'm getting this story of like, what, what happened with this brain tumor? Da, da, da. And she'd had a really abusive um, first marriage, really, really abusive first marriage. And it created a lot of stress for her. But she said, because she had this tremendous faith that everything would work out and she practiced breath work and yoga and meditation and prayer every day, um, she believes that's what prevented the tumor from becoming cancerous because it just ended up being like right. this ball. So the anxiety showed up shortly after she had surgery, right? So she said this out of the blue panic, this stuff like this, she's like, I have no idea where this has come from. Like, I've never been this person. Like I have this, these butterflies in my stomach. Like I'm afraid to leave the house. Like that's never been me. And she's obviously in a much better place, like psychologically in a happier relationship, very, very well set up in her life. Um, so when we started digging into it, you know, I said, do you think that this has anything to do with the fact that you were basically knocked unconscious and your body was shut down by these really powerful drugs and the light bulb went off her. She said, you know, I think you might be right. Like none of this existed before I had the surgery. Like mm -hmm. I was fine, you know, apart from headaches, like she had headaches. <laughs> I was fine. She had headaches because she had a brain tumor, but um, apart from the headaches, like she didn't have any anxiety. So we were able to kind of unpick that and, and realize like, okay, you're going to need some support. And I, I wasn't practicing functional medicine back then. So, you know, we did a lot of work around like trying to clean up her nutrition. Um, she was still eating a lot of bread and stuff because Persian cultures, like, you know, Middle Eastern cultures, they do eat a lot of pitta and, and that kind of thing. So um, we try to clean up her nutrition because I knew a little bit about the fact that, you know, certain foods could be quite harmful and some you could take them out and you might feel a little bit better, but I ended up referring her on. But I thought it was very interesting that that was my first experience of seeing that someone having experienced um, anesthesia 
would end up feeling that way. And then I experienced it same thing about two years or three years later when I had my wisdom teeth taken out and I was like a mess, like emotionally, like a roller coaster for a long time afterward, like just so up and down. And I thought about it and I was like, you know what, the only, because I I was like, I didn't want to take the, um, not the Percocet, whatever, they give you codeine or, because I knew I was like, it's going to make me constipated. I don't want anything like that. Vicodin probably, hydrocortin or whatever. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Um, So I didn't want to take any of that, but um, the anesthesia like totally made me like loopy for a while, like not just in the week after the the, uh, procedure, like literally for about I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight months of just being up and down, you know, like being very volatile emotionally. And I've seen it over and over, like when patient, well, I call the patients, but clients come in mm-hmm. and they're like, I don't know where this started. And we do a little history taking that lifestyle intake form. I'd ask them questions. And I'm like, have you had surgery recently? And they'd be like, yes. And I'm like, okay. And you start seeing the patterns emerge. You know, I've had surgery for my hip or I've had surgery for my my wrist or whatever, and they've been knocked out. The minute they get knocked out, the body gets shut down. It's such a traumatic thing that happens to the body. Like you're literally killing it, you know, to make it go to sleep in order for someone to perform usually very traumatic things to you as well. You know, risen teeth surgery, it's like they were drilling. For me, they were drilling into my gut, uh, my my jaw and cutting things out because it was impacted. It was, it, it's not pretty. It, it's not yeah. pretty. So that's, that's pretty traumatic. So these, these, um, the trauma from the anesthesia, then the, the physical pain trauma as well, <laughs> the pain trauma, these things have a direct effect on what's going on with your gastrointestinal tract and how well you're absorbing, how well you are assimilating nutrients and how well that's converting into things like hormones or neurotransmitters. Sure. I, I'm, well, I'm very lucky that I still, Overall, I think I feel very good afterwards. But one of the things that I did as well, thankfully, because I have um, a gene panel ran mm-hmm. through GX Sciences, and I like hit me right before the surgery because I hadn't looked at it in a couple of years. And one of the things on there, it's um, and this is very common, I guess, in terms of genetic SNPs. But it's just a genetic SNP that is focused around like not being able to produce as much glutathione naturally mm-hmm. as some other people. And so one of the warnings there, and it hit me like two days before, it said on the recommendations, uh watch out for long-term anesthesia, like in terms of like long duration, I guess is what I mean. And consider pre uh, anesthetic glutathione treatments. Mm -hmm. And so literally the day before um, I went and got an IV drip for the glutathione. And so So I guess I'll never know how much that helped me or didn't, but I just, I seemed to bounce back pretty quickly. It really did seem to be the ibuprofen that hurt me worse than anything. And the stress relief that I got after having these dang teeth removed because Raywin, I think over the last two years, since I got the first one removed and then like an idiot didn't get the other three uh, out at the same time, what has always been in my head as a speaker, as a podcast guy, as someone who requires himself to talk for a living, Uh I'm always sitting there in my head thinking, oh, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? What am I going to have to cancel? And so I actually think this was a a better reality for me because all three were impacted. I knew this was coming someday. I just didn't know when I was basically waiting until it forced me. And so this idea now that like, I'm pretty much good to go this. I mean, I'm not going to grow any more wisdom teeth. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, That'd be very strange if I did. And I just feel like kind of a a freeness from that. And I know that I won't need surgery for a while. So I think the lower stress of that's pretty good, but this is something for people to watch out for. And I guess 
typically speaking in surgery, you don't have a lot of other options, especially with the impacted wisdom tooth. I wasn't doing just Novocaine for that. Yeah. I, I don't want to sound like less of a man, but yeah, we have these stuff for this stuff for a reason. I've overcome worth health stuff. I'm like, you can knock me out. I don't need to hear you cracking my teeth yeah, and no, drilling while no, we're doing that. No, right. No, that's just, and that's you don't scary. need to feel that. You really don't need to feel that. Like, honestly, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just probably one of the worst. If, if you have to think of anything that could, you, you know, any type of surgery you have to go through anything to do with like the mouth or the throat, for me, just feels like, oh, just please don't. I When I used to get recurring tonsillitis when I was little, um, I remember they were like, oh, you should go get your tonsils out. I never ended up doing it because when the ENT put me in the chair, I was seven years old, and he starts talking about where they're going to make the incision. I'm like, my mom is there with me, where he's going to make the incision and blah, blah, blah. I literally got up and ran out of the room. I was like, no <laughs> one is touching my throat. <laughs> it was such like It's such a sensitive you know, it's, it's a powerful area too, if you're using your voice professionally. And, you know, back then mm -hmm. I was singing a lot. I was, you know, seven, but I was singing a lot, writing a lot of music, that kind of thing. And I didn't want anyone going near my throat. I'm like, you're not going to touch like my, my instrument, right. like no one's touching that. So I could understand, you know, and your teeth as well. Like you need those just, you know, just, that's survival. You, you can't. So people going near it, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. Cool. Well, since we probably have spiked every audience member's cortisol now, it's a good time to transition into the hormone side. <laughs> Please um, do. Yeah, because we yeah. really have gotten nervous. Like, yeah, I hate talking about bad teeth. And yeah. <laughs> So um, I, I know that before we recorded, we were talking about two main sections. And of course, if something else comes up, that's totally fine. But I know that we wanted to discuss how the gut can relate to hormones, especially women's hormones, um, and also the mold thing. And so maybe since we were kind of already talking about the gut, that might be the logical place to start. So sure. you already mentioned the bidirectional relationship that's well established in medicine. And just we're continuing to get more and more evidence of this. And not it, evidence isn't even the right word. We're getting more and more definitive answers mm -hmm. as to how this works. But what is the connection then between the gut health side and how this uh, affects someone's hormones? Because I think even in the functional space, if you're new to this, especially that might seem a little disconnected. Yeah, well, okay, so like, I like to use music metaphors, right? So if we think of and car metaphors and music metaphors, so if we think of a symphony, and we have got like, all the different players involved, right? And you have a conductor, I feel like the gut is actually the conductor of your symphony, right? Because obviously, what you put in your food is information. So it's going to get broken down and translated and redirected into different parts of the body where it's needed. Now, I think we I just touched on the fact that, you know, what you're consuming needs to be not just doesn't need to be good. It, well, obviously, it needs to be. But regardless of like, is it healthy food or not healthy food, like it has to be broken down and then it has yeah. to be converted, right? So now we have like this whole, the detox chain or channel, you want to call it, you got the liver, the kidneys, the gallbladder. Um, you want to make sure that all of those things are working in harmony. And if they're not, usually because of the fact that we're overburdening them by crappy, toxic, processed food, which unfortunately people eat nowadays because it's convenient, right? Like we opt for convenience over our own health, which is a, a really terrible sign of like our low self-worth and the fact that our society is so disconnected from the way that food actually was designed, right? Like food is there to nourish. So we offer these crappy things in boxes, packages, plastic, whatever, and then we ingest them 
we inhale them a lot of the time too. So if we talk about the the fact that we're not even chewing anymore, we're not producing enough of the enzymes that we're required to help break food down because we're eating in a distracted or a hurried manner. So most of the time I'm, I was guilty of this. Like I worked at in a bank and I sat at my desk and I ate breakfast there, lunch there, and sometimes the occasional dinner there. Because if yeah. you stayed past 9 p.m., they'd buy you dinner. So... <laughs> And, okay, and people would, would hang out just to be like, we're going to get dinner and we're going to be able to order sushi or whatever. You know, you can order whatever you want. It would get sent to and the now you're eating late too, which then is not when you're getting late. cut to to eat. <laughs> so, so, so many things wrong with corporate culture. Let's just not even. So, yeah. So you're eating at your desk and you're eating in a very hurried, distracted. You're not chewing. You're inhaling. You're not producing enough saliva or enzymes in order to pre-digest your food before it even hits your GI tract, right? Mm -hmm. So that in itself right there is a massive, like, and that's something everybody can change. We can all change that. We don't have to be rushing from here to there to there because when we're in that constant state of arousal, because that's what it essentially is. And we talked about cortisol a little while ago. That is literally being in fight or flight. But when you need to eat and when you need to absorb food, you need to be in the rest and digest phase. And mm -hmm. practitioners who are hearing this know this, but we're all guilty. Like we're like, okay, I have like 10 Zoom meetings today. Do I build in breaks for myself or do I just power through? And there are times, and believe it or not, finishing the FDN course actually gave me a gray hair because I literally sat for like for, I don't know, maybe like 12 hours a day for the last couple of weeks just so that I could power through because you're like, it's like birthing a baby, like you just want it done, right? Now, the thing is, people are living their lives like that all the time. So I can have a stressful moment or stressful period, but I know that I have my tools in place to recover from that where I can, I can practice my breath work, I can go sit in my sauna, um, I have like a tiny little sauna, a little Therasage, one person zip up, you look like a jacket potato. The head like, pops out like yeah, a Yeah, your head pops life. out of it. Yeah, yeah. And your arms can pop out too if you want to hold your phone or your remote or whatever. Because I have like, I put the TV on and I'll watch like a YouTube video or a podcast or something. But um, I know that I have tools that can help me get back into rest and digest really quickly, just like you do. Because you were saying like, well, you know, I took all this ibuprofen and I had the surgery, but I didn't really have too much downtime. Everything was fine. And why is that? Because you know you have your tools. You know, like, mm -hmm. oh, I've done my research. I know that I'm probably going to need a little bit more glutathione than other people to keep my liver doing its job. So you go and do that. And that's the beauty about this way of thinking, this approach, because you become so in tune with your individual body and what it needs. Then you're not at the mercy of like the one size fits all. Well, everybody goes for surgery and everybody bounce, bounces back at this. Uh, this You might not bounce back at the same rate as somebody else. You might need extra support. And in my case, you know, eating at my desk, I mean, nobody should be eating at their desk. It's just wrong. Um, you should be eating with friends and family, sitting outside if you can, if it's warm where you live. Um, but sitting and communicating and having community with other people, chewing your food, making it an enjoyable, pleasurable experience. Because that in itself, well, one, that reduces cortisol and increases oxytocin when you're in community. And these are all things that we need in order to be able to function properly and for us to feel connected and to feel happy and to feel, we talk about homeostasis a lot in functional medicine to feel balanced right homeostasis right. is a state of balance so getting into rest and digest is probably the number one thing that we need to be doing in order to be able for our bodies to recover for our hormones not to get used up because what ends up happening and 
you know, back in the olden days, and I say olden days, 2016, when I was learning about functional medicine, um, you know, we used to talk about the cortisol steel, right? Now, that's not really so much of a thing, but it's a great construct to kind of understand what happens when you start using up too much cortisol because you're in fight or flight all the time and you're not giving your body a chance to chill out. And you can be in fight or flight for numerous reasons, right? Like one, you could have hidden infections, you know, pathogens, parasites, yeast, mold, fungus, whatever. You could be experiencing psychological stress, partner stress, work stress, children's stress, you know, psychological stressors. So you got your biochemical stressors, those internal ones, you got your psychological ones. And then you could be experiencing some kind of physiological stress as well. Like maybe you've broken a bone or, you know, you've had surgery, right? So these types, these three types of stressors, they are interpreted by the body in the exact same way. Cortisol does not know the difference between the biochemical, the psychological, or the physical. It doesn't know. It just knows that, oh my God, I need to start pumping out more of this in order to keep up with what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. And then what ends up happening it keeps pumping and keeps pumping. And because you don't give it a chance to settle down and, you know, we, we have this wonderful analogy of like, think of your body as being elastic, like this rubber band, right? So if you are being stretched continually, what's going to happen? You're going to end up snapping. The idea with a rubber band is that you stretch it and then you give it moments of bounce, it, spring back into shape so that it can maintain its elasticity. And the body is the exact same way. So if we're not giving ourselves the downtime that we require, and downtime doesn't only mean sleeping, but it definitely plays a big part in recovery um, overall and being able to kind of rebalance things and get us back into that rest and digestate rest Sleep is part of it, but you can do restful activities as well. So meditation is obviously a restful activity. Qigong, Tai Chi, um, gratitude journaling. There's so many wonderful ways to actually incorporate rest into your life. That's not only about going to bed at 10 p.m. And, yeah. you know, so so rest is one of the first ways that we can do that to get us back into rest and digest them where we're actually digesting our food and assimilating and getting it into a place where we're like, actually we're going to be able to use this and we're not going to be bloated and uncomfortable and gassy, etc. cetera. Um, I was on a, 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 a rant. A rant I, I got where am I going now? <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. I have something to add. That was a, a lot of great stuff. Yeah. And um, it's so funny how, even as well-versed as you are, so many of our practitioners that come on here, it's like what we're talking about action-wise is not particularly profound, right? It's like chew your dang food, actually rest, actually take that time. And this is why I think it throws people off, but with the FDN program especially, you know, yes, you have all these fancy labs and we have practitioners that are insanely intelligent and well-versed, mm -hmm. but dress Diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, supplementation is still the core. And if you nail that down, you're going to get the results for your clients and yourself that you're really looking for more often than not, uh, even if you never ran a lab test. Now, the lab test can help customize it. It can help accelerate those results greatly. And I've found that to be true. But dress is still the core of all of this. And so it's just always kind of interesting when we, because this happens all the time on this show, we go off onto all these things, then it kind of comes back to okay, well, can you actually like break down your food? Can you chew? And, and it is more than going to bed at 10 p.m., like you said. I also like that you brought up the uh, the body's reaction to you have the psychological or physical stresses, and then you have um, the hidden infections. You have other things like that, biochemical stresses, right? But the body doesn't care. It doesn't care if you're late on taxes. It doesn't care if you just got into a fight with a family member. It doesn't care if you have a parasite in terms of the stress reaction. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, it, it almost seems, and I don't mean it, 
in a fear-mongering way, there's always hope to this, but in today's modern world, it's like practically impossible to truly shut this down in your body unless you are being intentional about it because we are being bombarded in a million different directions. Us just being under this artificial light right now while we record a podcast, we know that that spikes cortisol just a little bit. So just doing that is going to put you in that state. So if you're not taking those daily actions intentionally to put yourself in rest and digest, uh, that that's going to be kind of an issue, especially if you're more type A people. Like I, I don't know, because you've worked on yourself a lot, but you strike me as someone like myself who at the core, we're very type A. I, I think that's correct, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why we end up burning out and ending up with gut issues and all those things, because we don't know when to stop. And you, because we want to achieve things and we want to be perceived as being high achievers. And I work with a lot of people who are exactly that way because they don't want to be seen as being failures. They want to be seen as being, you know, like I can handle anything. They were super women, like we can do whatever, you know, I'm meant to, like I worked with a couple of men, you know, who are big high earners in their, their firms and that kind of thing. But they would show up with like OCD and anxiety and panic and all this internal stuff, but think, and a lot of it linked to early childhood trauma as well, which we don't often talk about as practitioners. Um, but more and more, like when I start seeing, I remember working with this lady, I'll tell you this quick story. Um, I have a lot of stories because like I said, 350 people, you end up with a lot of stories, but her story was wild. She had, um, she, she came to me because she told me she was struggling with constipation. Okay. Right. She was in her 60s. She looked incredible. She looked like she was in her 30s. Right. Looked amazing. She worked out a lot. Um, very fit, very trim. She was on her third marriage and she was blaming her third husband for the constipation, <laughs> which cracked me up. Um, so again, you know, I'm doing my intake. I'm asking questions. I'm getting a feel for this. I said, so you're saying that your constipation began with this when you got married? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. I've had it like since I was 13. And I'm like, okay, hang on. Like, <laughs> like you, you're blaming your husband, but you're saying that this has been going on since you were 13. She's like, well, he's stressing me out. I'm like, well, you clearly have been stressed out like from before. Right? Exactly. <laughs> right? So I said, tell me what happened when you were 13. And she got really somber and silent. And she said, I was raped by my cousin when I was 13. And I was like, okay. I said, have you ever talked to anybody about this? Nope, never. And I'm like, okay, wow. Now I was a hypno, I am a hypnotherapist. So, you know, we were able to do some really deep, intense work, getting her to release a lot of that and her stomach. She said, while we were doing it, we were writing out a letter to the cousin, like what she would say to him. Um, you know, she, I don't think she ever sent it, but she did actually meet him later on, like at a family reunion. And she said her stomach literally flipped. But while we were writing the letter, she said, stuff starting to move. Like I can feel like a physical change starting to happen. And I was blown away by that because again, we store so much of our trauma right there in the center. You know, like you think about it, like when someone's going to punch you, you kind of like gird yourself, right? Like you kind of like, yeah. gird and you, you tighten up your gut and all those things. Now, when you tighten that up, everybody knows what happens. Like the blood is not focused on digesting. Like you're not digesting when you are in fight or flight, right? Your, no. your, your priorities, your body's priorities shift to your extremities, to other things. They are not focused on breaking down food or assimilating. So, you know, what we were saying just now about, you know, the body cannot tell the difference between your boss yelling at you, your girlfriend yelling at you, your broken leg or your, your, your screwed up jaw, or 
having been raped when you were 13 years old, 40, 50 years earlier. It doesn't know. It's still, it gets stuck in that mode of trying to defend itself and it doesn't know when to shut itself off. You have to consciously, intentionally be like, I am going to work on this. I am going to set aside 20 minutes for a breath work or for gratitude or for whatever those things are. And that's going to help my cortisol come down or come back into where it's supposed to be. And then it won't be depleting all of my progesterone and estrogen or testosterone. And I can tell you, you know, from experience, like I've been living in multiple countries for the last four, uh, three, four years, right? Because of the whole COVID thing. And because of the fact that my husband was in a different country to me and I, we, you know, had a long journey to being able to live together. And, um, when we ran my, (laughs) when we ran my labs, my SHP, it was quite, I mean, I kind of knew it was not going to be great, but I'm like, oh my God, I'm flatlining. I'm like, what? I'm one of those people who's flatlining, even though I knew to take magnesium because I have genetic snips for, you know, slow, um, slow methylation, uh, slow okay. estrogen metabolism, all those things. So I've done my genes as well. And I know like my comped genes I need help with. I need a lot of magnesium because that can increase anxiety, et cetera. So I was taking all the things, I was doing the magnesium, but the fact that I was moving every two or three months, like this is a lifestyle, just a stress, right? Getting packing up your stuff every three months, separating from the person that you want to be with every three months. Like that's a big deal. And yeah, by the time it was all over and I was in one place and I could run all these labs and I'm like, oh boy, look at my, my sex hormones there. They don't exist. <laughs> so, I mean, I am in my mid forties, so that has probably something to do with it, but I genuinely believe and knowing everything that we've learned about you know, the body that, that stress has a direct impact on hormone production. And yeah, yeah, of course, like, and so people who say, Oh, well, it's just stress. I'm like, it's not just stress. That's a big deal. Like we need to, we need to neutralize that stress. And, you know, at the time, like, because I was, and I was selling my, my old house and moving and same thing, I kind of like powered through that. And that's what we do. These type A's we're like, all right, I have to get all this furniture out of here by this date. So I know that I'm not going to be sleeping for like the next four or five days. So those things have an impact on things like your hormone production and the way that you're digesting food and, you know, um, and and your blood sugar regulation and all those things and the food choices that you're going to make as a result of that, because when your blood sugar is out of whack, because you're not getting the right kind of rest or sleep, or you're under a lot of pressure, your body is craving quick release energy. So it's like, bring me the gluten-free donuts, bring me you know, I'm like, at least they're gluten-free, but I'm like, they're still terrible. Like what? Cause in England, by the way, like there are all these kick-ass apps that you can like hit a button and they'll, they'll deliver stuff to your door. Like whatever it is, it's like Vietnamese food, Thai food, um, sourdough, gluten-free donuts. Like they will deliver it all to your door. And that's because I'm like, well, I'm not cooking. Cause I've just gotten rid of all of my cooking utensils. I've gotten rid of everything. I can't make any food in my kitchen anymore because I'm selling it all and getting rid of it all. So I'm like, what can I order today? And, you know, guilty. I am human. I am like, I want, I definitely want the beautiful Vietnamese food, but I want a dessert to go along with it because I haven't eaten all day and my blood sugar is tanking and I need something to kind of, to, to bring me up. Obviously, this is not the way that we want people living. I, and I saw it in my own labs and I'm like, damn. I have to practice more what I preach, especially when I'm going through like super stressful situations. And, you know, I was practicing my meditation and stuff, but it's not enough. You've got to do it all. You have to like make sure you're eating right, you're chewing, you're sleeping, all the things, you know, like the meditation was keeping me going. I'll be honest. I think even if I wasn't sleeping a lot, I was able to kind of do my 20 minutes. And that would sort of like keep me alive. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, well, and there's this thing too with, I think, especially all of us as practitioners, a lot of us listening are uh, future or current practitioners. The one thing is we've been so darn sick in our lives, a lot of us, and I'm not comparing it to certain people. I mean, certain people have dealt with terminal cancer. I'm not saying that that's the general uh, person who comes on here, but we've been sick, man. We've dealt with a lot. There's there's quite a bit built up there. I think two things happen. When we start moving that needle even a little bit, maybe let's say 30%, mm-hmm. one, we feel so good comparatively mm-hmm. that you think like you're completely fixed. Mm-hmm. And number two is you have this, and it's a beautiful thing, you have this passion now. And so for the type A, this is like the ultimate excuse to go out and just be buffing out 12 hours a day because I have this passion. I have this energy. It's not like I even hate the work. I literally love the work now and I wanted to work anyway. So this is a great excuse. And so I think um, I actually really just appreciate your transparency in the labs, especially when you weren't even asked like, okay, no, you were kind of flatlined with, I'm guessing the cortisol is what you meant at the time. The because this is and the, the testosterone and the other thing, all the sex okay. hormones. Yeah, it was all, it was, I was in what we call the exhaustive phase, you know? Wow. Um, but I doubt that this is unique for many practitioners. So I appreciate you being the one to share it because sometimes, and we shouldn't have this, but I imagine sometimes we get our pride involved and we're like, oh, I've been doing this for five years. I should be better. It's like, dude, that that's not what this is about. You use the labs uh, not only to find clues, but a lot of the times it's validating uh, or two, it can be very insightful and just it could kind of shine a light on something that, you know, you might have thought that you felt pretty decent in a certain sense, right? I thought at a time that I felt that you're like iffy. <laughs> No, I, I, I probably, did. I, w- I think that's why I was running them because, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring up the V word. I had been vaccinated in order to enter the United States and a lot of issues showed up for me, like almost within like a month of that. Um, so a ton of issues happened. I didn't know. Wow. I did not know you ended up having to do that. Yeah. That was not cool. So, um, and you know, it's not something that I believe in and, you know, you kind of have to do it in order to become a permanent resident. And it was a big deal and it really kind of knocked the wind out of my sails in a big way. Like hormones kind of got messy. Um, some mast cell activation stuff kicked in, but you know, to my, and this is what, what we do is so important. I was like, when I realized like, okay, I don't feel like myself anymore. Like I don't have the energy to just bounce out of bed the way that I used to anymore. Something's up. So it went straight to like, let's look at what the labs are saying. Right. Um, and I've yeah. having really weird periods as well. So for people who are into hormones, I'm like, something is totally up because this is not a normal period for me anymore. Like something's wrong. So, okay. um, so started going down the route of like, well, I have to test. I have to figure out what it is because I know if I go to a regular doctor, they're not going to be able to tell me anything. So that's why, like for me, I I, I may have been feeling like, yeah, I think I was really tired. Like I, I was pretty tired, like really, really tired. And, you know, you kind of chalk it up to like, well, maybe it's just because I moved the country, moved country. Um, I also lost my mom last year. So I think there were a bunch of things that all happened in like quick succession. It was like lost my mom, moved country two or three times, like moved to Mexico, moved back to San Diego, moved to England and sold house in England. And it was like every two or three months I had something big happening. So by the time like November rolled around, I, I was getting sick a lot too. I had like a couple of colds and flus and I knew like, okay, time to run some, run our labs and find out what's going on. And okay. yeah, sure enough, like the labs, they showed that, you know, I think, and like I said, the the vaccinations were, that was my tipping point. Like that pushed me over the edge. Cause up until that point I'd been managing like, yeah. or, you know, my body was compensating, but by the time the vaccines got into the picture, um, I had like three, which was 
horrible, pretty gnarly. Um, once that happened, it just kind of, yeah, kind of knocked the scales out of balance even more. Like I, obviously I was managing with food and all those other things, but by the time that happened, it just got a little bit stressful. So difficult, very, and you know, sometimes that's what our clients experience. Like they're like, well, everything was fine until this one thing. And I'm like, was it really fine? Cause that's what I, you know, now that I look back, I was like, was I actually fine? Because I was juggling a lot of, there were a lot of plates in the air. Right. But I had this one tipping point that was like my body just couldn't deal with it. So it kind of screwed things up a lot. Well, it's fascinating. And and legitimately speaking, it's probably my favorite part about you. You have no restrictions at all with topics. And you know, that's me at my core. I got to be a little more correct because I'm doing the podcast and stuff. But I'll talk about anything with anyone, religion, politics, and and we're respectful about it. That's what's nice, right? You'll you'll sit down and listen to someone. There's nothing wrong with it if you'll do that, I I think. But that's a whole separate podcast in and of itself. Mm -hmm. My whole point is I actually appreciate you bringing this up is it's not something I typically talk about on here. But I have seen this and in fairness, I've seen it with COVID itself too. So Mm -hmm. I think this is what people need to think about because there are plenty of people who got, I got COVID. I was sick for like 24 hours and totally fine afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. I did not get the vaccine. uh, You know that. And then I have other people who got the vaccine and they were totally fine afterwards. I have both groups though, where I know people who were totally against the vaccine, got COVID, sick as a dog, still dealing with complications afterwards. And then the same thing with the vaccine. So it's not that I'm advocating for you know, getting one versus the other, right? Not that you have really a choice with the one, but I'm just saying that I, I do believe it was a powerful thing. If we're just talking about the virus, it's powerful. If we're mm-hmm. just talking about the vaccine, it's powerful. And so many people are walking around never getting into rest and digest, as we talked about yeah, earlier. Yeah. They have a million chronic stressors. And when you give them, if most of those chronic stressors that we're dealing with are like, let's say like little half percenters or one percenters, you get COVID, a powerful virus, or you get the vaccine, bam, you just got hit with like a 5-10% or possibly even more. Well, you're going to notice a 5-10% or a lot more than you're going to notice a little half percent change. Mm -hmm. And um, I I think that's what happened to so many people. So I appreciate your transparency with this because I assume anyone that listens to this podcast, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, you're, you're very open to the idea that this, this could cause these issues, but I don't, I don't think this, um, had enough media attention in the way that it should, because I know other people that, yeah, man, this screwed up a lot of stuff, especially for women. I saw that a lot. with women. Yeah. You know, what was interesting was when I called, cause I, I wanted to see a, a functional gynecologist. Cause I'm like, look, my periods are weird because they, the first thing they ask, well, what, what's your main complaint? They're on the phone. They're like, what, 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 what are you dealing with? I said, I have no idea what's going on with my periods. They're like, oh, you're not the only one. Like pretty much everybody calling us is having like the craziest symptoms like crazy and you know i hadn't had crazy period symptoms for a really really long time like once i had kind of gone paleo in 2011 come off of gluten and sugar and all those things i had like almost invisible periods so like this whole like i don't want to be graphic but just sort of like this heavy bleed i was like what is this like this is not normal Mm -hmm. so that was really freaky so for me it was like i was experiencing some pretty gnarly symptoms um, that were, you know, just, they were disturbing, like, and knowing that I'd taken such good care of myself, mostly like more than other people. I'm like, I'm not going to McDonald's. I'm not drinking. I'm not, you know, I'm not eating fast food. Um, I'd eat the Thai food that came on delivery, (laughs) Um, but, but, you know, again, that would be like mostly like broth and vegetables. It was just, it was, I, you know, it's quick, it'll show up and I'll eat it, but it's still like, I'm eating vegetables and chicken or, or, or beef or whatever. And it's all real food. Not like, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like the difference between, process ultra processed fast food as opposed to you can still get healthy fast food you know um so 
So, yeah, so I think um, people thinking about, and as practitioners, more and more people are going to come into our practices with complications from what's happened over the last three years, right? And, yeah, and thankfully we're prepared in so much as we are used to dealing with complicated people. We're used to not giving up and just saying, oh, yeah, sorry, we couldn't help you after our little three-month program. So it, it must be you. We're, we know what we're doing. So it must be you. We don't dismiss people like that ever. Mm-mm. And um, I'm just, I'm really thankful that I was already in communities like this and a part of FDN prior to this happening because, you know, I was admittedly a little nervous throughout. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was. And I never... I never felt like actually fearful though. It was like a minor nerve that went away the second I turned on my Facebook and went and saw all my AFDNP members and all my colleagues who are just like posting about stuff, looking at different protocols, trying to defend ourselves in any way possible. And then even myself, I think, I don't know if we were on Facebook with each other back then. I mm-hmm. Actually, we hadn't met in person at that time. No. So mm-hmm. I used COVID as an experiment because you know how much I love the light side of things. I love mm-hmm. studying sunrise, all the effects that light has. So I figured, well, when am I going to get to do this again as an adult? I camped for two months straight in the beginning of the pandemic, like all of June and all of July 2020. And I literally slept outside like 53 nights mm-hmm. out of the 60 because there were thunderstorms. And what was nuts, Ray Winby's outside of the COVID stuff, I became, I was the tannest I've ever been. I looked awesome. I was only <laughs> sleeping like six hours per night, but I felt great. And it's because sunset here was like 10 and then it would rise at like 4.30. The light would start coming up. So naturally I just, I would wake, wake up, up with super the light. early. Yeah. I'm recovering from the gym. What I would normally only be able to do three times a week, I could do six times a week and my body was just recovered and ready to go the next day. And I'm thinking about this, like this was 60 stupid days this is what we were supposed to do for the entirety of our life. Right? <laughs> so I it's love a- that you're talking about this because you probably know about Jack Cruz, right? Like, are you a big Jack Cruz fan? Oh, I got him into him probably seven, eight years ago. Yeah, that's when I that's when I learned about this. You're, so, well, exactly, because he's sort of like this leading authority. So everybody who's listening, if you don't know about Jack Cruz, go follow him on YouTube, follow him on Instagram. He's very outspoken, very contrary. Um, you know, he pisses off a lot of people, but he's so awesome because all he does is share facts. And this is what I like, you know, you said, oh, this, the, you know, what side of the political, uh, this is not about politics to me. This is just about what's true and what isn't, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I like to err on the side of like, I'm going to stick with truth. Like, I want to know what's real. I don't want propaganda. Yes, I said it. I don't want the media spin on something. I want to know what's real. And I, what I do know is real is that we have an innate intelligence and that was designed specifically so that we can deal with the world and anything that gets thrown at us and that the body is, you know, we keep talking like Mindy Peltz last week. She said, when your finger gets cut, what does it immediately start to do? You don't bleed to death. It starts knitting together and it starts healing. Your body yes, is designed to heal. It is designed. So no matter what gets thrown at it, that's what its job is. Your cells, and they don't need to be told, although sometimes they might because, you know, we've been telling ourselves, oh, you can't heal. You need a prescription. You need a doctor. You need a da 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 You know, maybe you need to just start telling it like you're perfectly capable of healing. Now, that's not to say ignore if you have, you, know, you can get vitamin D from the light or whatever, but spending time outside, I think that is probably the number one healer. And we were going to talk about mold. So I'm going to land the plane with this. Okay. Um, Thank you. Because I was like, yeah, we're not getting to that. I'm going to land the plane with the mold. Okay. Right here. So for everyone who is dealing with mold, myself included, because that was one of the things that showed up in my labs, right? 
Um, and it's in the house and we're working on that and fixing it and all that stuff, because that's another thing. It might've been here forever, but I couldn't deal with it. So everyone's so fixated on remediating, remediating. Well, what about your own body, right? Like what about your body is not able to deal with it? Cause mold exists everywhere. The thing that's happened in the last three years is that everybody has spent time inside. Everyone has been glued to their computers under their artificial crappy light. They are not interacting with other humans because they've been afraid of them or told to be afraid of them. So they're, they haven't been. So now, now, and then we have this whole 5G thing that's coming about where that's amplifying and stressing out things like mold and they're starting to proliferate more. So the more time that you spend inside, the more you're going to be exposed to stuff that's growing in your house. And I don't know if you've noticed how houses in America are built. Uh, our neighbor's house is being built. So I've been watching the entire process. It's been going on for a while. Now the whole of winter, it has been raining here and his house is all made of wood. The whole thing is made of wood and it has been soaked to the core and now they're starting to wrap it and all of that wood is black it's and i'm like he's building mold into his house he's building wow. that's a brand new house building mold because it has rained for four months straight so that wood's been wet so people are like oh i'm moving into a new house i'm like do you know how it was built do you know it you yeah, define like, new anyway right yeah like what and is, do you know like how it was but was it built in winter was it built in summer were there a lot of thunderstorms do you know if there's any they're down so so mold in your in your your home and your environment, like having a proliferation of it, obviously not good. You don't want to be living in a moldy house. But the thing is, mold exists in nature. It's there to break things down, right? That's the whole point of it. Now we have to be able to be resilient enough within our own bodies to be able to withstand it. And obviously minimizing things like 5G exposure, turning off your Wi-Fi router at night, stuff because it the EMFs are a big contributor to what's going on and the fact that we aren't getting any light. So my big turning point actually came when we we went to Mexico for a month, like a lot of my symptoms resolved just from being able to be outside for an hour to two hours a day, right? Being in the sun for two hours a day. Are you still there? You look like you just- Oh, good. I, I, I was about to say I lost you for a second. Yeah, yeah. So you, the one yeah thing I heard, you got frozen. Yeah. I heard that when you went to Mexico for a month and then it cut out. <laughs> yeah. So sunlight- is probably the number one thing you can do to reduce your symptoms of mold or to to get your body into a place where it's actually doing its job. It's regenerative. We're like plants. We keep saying that. We're like plants just with more complicated emotions. Like we need light. We can't, and not artificial light, not blue light from our phones. We need to be outside, waking up, going outside, walking outside, exercising outside. You know, you were saying you did that for 60 days, but that's how people lived before industrialization and before you know the way the world is now we we are i remember growing up as a kid we spent lots of time outside you played with yeah. your cousins you rode your bike you now children are like mm, you know with carpal tunnel syndrome from playing on their devices all the time and the blue light exposure and all the things that are really making us sicker as as a society like we're becoming sicker quicker and it's because of things like EMFs, because of things like not getting the right amount of light, because we're not, it's not just about the food anymore. It isn't. It's about the way that we're living. We're living ourselves into disease. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you found, I'm not, well, I'm not surprised, but it is interesting that you found some relief uh, by going to Mexico, you know, because especially the USA, listen, I'm, I'm never the person to talk about in the USA. I'm very grateful to be here, but I'm also 
there is the nationalism thing gets taken a little too far where we think like we're so superior to replace like Mexico. And yet, you know, if you go down there, you might actually feel better because sometimes our supposed progression is actually our regression in terms of our health and just being human. You know, we have these kids that probably have, uh, I mean, at least artificially, they have way more dopamine than before, but they feel less satisfied and less happy, right? They're because they're getting happy. the dopamine they're from the miserable. wrong place. They're all depressed. In these, yeah, in these surges. And so I'm just, not that it was ideal, but I'm, I'm so thankful that at least I got to grow up in the generation where, you know, we did play video games all night, but we did that after hanging out from 11 a.m. until 10 p.m. when our parents made us go in and we were biking to the store and we're ding-dong ditching and doing stupid crap. Like, I think they call it knock-knock run in Europe or something, yeah. something like that. And, um, you know, we got to do these things and it was, it was cool, but... Man, I can't even imagine being before where, you know, you actually just did outside and then there is no video games. There's and no video stuff games. To go you go camping, you, like you, you, you pitch a tent, you learn how to pitch a tent and you, you play like, you know, I don't know what you got. You probably played baseball. We played cricket. Um, so you play cricket, you know, you play outside, you play in the sun, you run around, you get your metabolism going, you get your blood pumping, you sweat, you do the things mm -hmm. that humans need. We need to sweat. We need to eat. We need, you know, and again, you used to sit down with your family and you would, nobody's like glued to their phone while they're eating, you know, cause that didn't exist. They were sitting down you'd talk about your day. You talk about things, you know, and not everybody had happy childhoods either, but I'm just saying like in the ideal world, we would have this sense of community, of connection to ourselves, to our families, and to the to nature, to mm -hmm. to light and to the earth, you know, and to clean air and being outside in it, fresh, clean air. Um, and that's not happening so much anymore because we made cities like we made people think like, oh, moving to a city is a sign of like progress. But is it like I lived in a city for 22 years and I can tell you right now, you just said like you use that expression, like the thing that we we think that we're being progressive, but we're actually, it's like our demise. It's leading to our demise. And the whole AI thing actually completely freaks me out right now too, because everyone's like, oh, AI, AI. And I'm like, I'm not so sure this is a good thing. Didn't everybody see the matrix? Didn't you see what happened there? The machines took over because they think they're smarter than us, you know? Um, and someone I know, like a really good friend of mine, he said, I just had a conversation with an art, with artificial intelligence. I'm like, why? Why would you do that? And he's like, because I wanted to see if I could and if it could emote and it can. I'm like, that's terrible and terrifying. Yeah. So, you know, the th there's a really great line. I think Jeff Goldblum said it in Jurassic Park. He's like, we're so fixated on trying to figure out if we could. We haven't decided if we should. We haven't thought about. So we're like, oh, can we get this far as a human race? Can we go here? Can we do this? Can we create this? Do we need it? Is it actually helping us? Is I it actually know, good for us? Should we? You know, those are the kinds of questions when you talk about being intentional. So much of progress is just progress for the sake of progress, not necessarily do we actually need these things or maybe we need to come back to some basics to like, because people are sick, you know, they're sick and they're dependent on medications and they are lonely, which is another huge thing that came out during COVID, how lonely people were, right? And that's not helping anyone live longer, happier, healthier, right? Mm -hmm. So all these things that we get thrown out there, it's supposed to fulfill us and supposed to make us happy, climb the corporate ladder, get the promotion, marry, the, you know, get married, have a white, uh, 2.5 children and the white picket fence and all the things that we're told are going to make us happy. And then we get there and we're empty. Like we've, we've disconnected completely from, you know, that whole process of being intentional, I find so powerful. And I feel like when we become ill, 
that's when we wake up to it. And unf- I wish we didn't have to, like I really, I always say this, I said, I wish I didn't have to keep pulling people out of the river. I want to catch them before they fall in because yeah. it would yeah, be wow. so well much more powerful, the kind of lives that they could live if they were not spending six to 12 months recovering, right? Um, if they were actually able to kind of tap into who they really are and what they're meant to be doing and being aligned with that and that vision of who they're supposed to be rather mm-hmm. than, oh, I've got to fight all my symptoms right now. I got to figure this out, you know, and that takes time yeah. and energy and you don't have a ton of energy and time, you know, if you want to be focused on who you're meant to be and your purpose and all that, if you don't have the energy to do that because you're sick and you're worried about everything, about the future and about your body, you don't have the, you don't have the bandwidth to start focusing on the, the what you're meant to be doing on this earth. Right. Absolutely. Raven, we are shockingly, um, and I mean that sarcastically over our 50 minutes. And this is the this is the only downside of having rapport with the people before they come on, right? You and we're just getting started. You give us like a couple more hours, we'll we'll go. We have like five different subtopics here that we could have done. But what's cool about you, and I'm really glad that we got to do uh this podcast today with video and stuff. I think your personality was very easily portrayed here. And the people that resonate with you are going to know, okay, that's like my person. This is who I want to work with. So who do you typically serve now? And then where can people find you if they're that person? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that. So um, Mm -hmm. I would love to be able to gift people something. Can I do that? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you can um, download. I have like a whole roadmap on how it would be like if you were going to work with someone who was like me. So you don't have to work with me, but you can. You can, you know, you can see like, oh, from start to finish, this is how you're going to be carried and nurtured in this wonderful container. The labs that I use. Um, the, the frequency and cadence of our meetings, those kinds of things, the supplements, all those sorts of things. So if you want that, you can download it and you just have to go to my website, um, gutsyexecutivecoach.com forward slash download dash pathway. So it's all the CEO pathway. Cause I do work with women who are in business and who are, um, who are type A's kind of like myself, you know, that's pretty much who I've attracted and who I want to continue to help because they have so much drive and they want to do good in the world. They want to, they want to elevate the people around them, but if they don't have the energy to do so because they're feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, fatigued, tired, stuck, anxious, fearful, which is generally the kind of demographic of the people that I work with, you know, and they're struggling with things like their hormones and they don't know why and they're not getting answers from their doctors or their therapists. Like that's like, come my way, you know, come my way. And if you want to be proactive and you don't have to end up in a doctor's office, come my way too, because that is really where I do want to, I want to really focus a lot of my work now on like getting them before they fall into the river, like getting them on the riverbanks. So excellent. I love that river uh, analogy. I might actually steal that myself because it's so freaking true. And we're just like wired as humans that we need to fall in first sometimes before you yeah. know we realize it. But I, I think with podcasts like this, and there's many other great ones out there, I, I think we can raise that awareness so that eventually, yeah, we're getting the people before they go in, or maybe they only have a foot in and they're not, you know, halfway out there. Or drowning. Yeah. Um, nobody's drowning. We can like, yeah, no drowning and no yeah. life rafts needed. Like we can get you, we teach you how to swim. <laughs> yeah. Raven, two years later, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us today. Thank you so much, Evan. 